Amen. It, we are about to jump into a brand new series. I'm super pumped about it. We're going to be walking through the book of Philippians uh, every year. Uh, my goal is to walk through about two books of the Bible, verse by verse. And here's the reason why we do that. Uh, to be honest with you, every week, every month, every year, I'm praying, God, where do you uh, want me to go in your scriptures? What do I need to expound on in the Word of God? What's happening in our culture? What's happening in our world? And uh, man, I, I just felt uh, this book come to my spirit. And uh, another reason is because this keeps me from wanting to skip verses. There's some hard scriptures that we believe as Christians. And in order for me to be faithful to the Word of God, um, preaching through a whole book doesn't allow me to just skip over it. Um, but I have to, we have to address it. We go, we tackle it and, and we see why it's in the Bible because it's in there for a reason. Um, but here's the thing and the reason why I felt Philippians uh, felt uh, just in my spirit that we needed to walk through in, a church, in our church. We live in a day and age where everybody and everything is telling you to go get more, move faster, work harder, do more, do more, do more. And sometimes, man, it just leaves us empty and exhausted, right? Uh, and, and it was, I, I think it was by the grace of God that we, this came into uh, my spirit because, you know, we preach breakout and we're excited about it. But some of you are sitting out there and you're like, man, I'm just tired. I'm tired. I am, I, I'm exhausted. My kids' activities, my job, my boss, life. Come on, am I the only one? I'm exhausted. And here's what I love about the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is one of those books that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, and we'll jump into it, uh, but in this epistle that he wrote, this is the only one the only one that you'll find in all of his writings where he's not addressing the church in the manner of, hey, you need to stop doing this and you need to do this. There's some churches, you go read First and Second Corinthians, that church was crazy, that church was wild. And he's like, oh, all those things that y'all are partaking in, you need to stop. But in the book of Philippians, what we see is the Apostle Paul's love for these people, his love for the church, their love for the church. And so as we journey through this book, here's what I'm going to ask of you. I, I ask you that you don't just come in here on Sunday mornings, uh, get a word and then leave and not think. But man, go home and pray. Read over what we've been, read next week. That's the cool thing that you, you'll know what I'm preaching next week. You'll know what I'm preaching in two weeks, three weeks, because we're just gonna go verse by verse. And here's one thing that can help you. We have these things, you might've seen them at the table. I love this. I wish we would have done it uh, when we walked through the book of James and when we walked through the book of Ephesians. Uh, but if you would like, um, what it has is, it has the Bible on one side and then it has note-taking uh, space on the other. And here's the thing, because I've said this from the beginning of Real Church, I pray that this is your church forever, then your kids' church, uh, and then your grandchildren's church, and your grand great-grandkids' church. And what if at the end of your last breath, you have 66 of these, your own notes, your own commentaries in a sense of the entire Bible? Because I've said this, we don't come to church just to have some emotional experience, but we come here, uh, and not that that's bad, because I think we're going to have emotional experiences here, and you should. And if you don't, there might be something wrong with you, because God created emotion, and you should have it. But, man, 
I also want to grow deep in the Word of God because when we grow deep in the Word of God, we get to know who God is. And when you become to know more about who God is, the more you fall in love with the person of Jesus. And so if you want one of these, they have some. Uh, maybe you didn't get one. If you would like one right now, uh, you can pay on the app, but if you would like one, they're $10 uh, just to help us cover the cost of these. But if you would like one, just slip your hand up in the air. They'll bring you one. Uh, that way you can take notes. Watch yourself, babe. Sorry. Um, anybody? There's some right there. Yeah. Under the, the give tab, there's a tab that says Bible journal. Uh, just do $10 Bible journal. That way you can have that. So if you have your Bible, Man, go ahead and open it up to the book of Philippians. Shocking book of Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to look at 11 verses today. Go ahead and put that up. And I've called this series Overflow. I want to go ahead and put that up there. I've called this series Overflow because I was telling you that this, this world, this, this uh, place that we're living in, this day and age, it's constantly saying, go get more, go get more, go get more. And what you end up feeling is empty, tired. And what this book is, is an overflow of Paul's joy, an overflow of Paul's thankfulness. If you ever wanna to get to a place in your life where you are content, and we'll see this in uh, the later chapters, in chapter four, Paul, he says, man, I have found the secret to life. I have found it. We need one more right here, babe, book. Um, he says, I found the secret. I don't know about you, but when somebody has a secret that can make my life better, I wanna know that secret. And the apostle Paul says in chapter four that we'll eventually get to, he says, I have found that secret and this is what it is. Uh, and, and the whole book is just an overflow of the Apostle Paul's joy and thankfulness. And I pray is that as we journey through this book, that same joy would overflow into your lives because I've been around some of you and some of you need some joy in your life. I've been around some of you and every time I'm with you, you're complaining about something. And so you need some thankfulness in your life. Same thing with me. My wife would say the same thing about me, that I need joy and thankfulness. And so my prayer is that as we journey through this book, that's what you will get. So Philippians chapter one, let's jump in. Let's go to work. Uh, Philippians chapter one, and then we're going to pray. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Timothy was just a young man, a young disciple, a young man that Paul was discipling to plant a church. Paul's a missionary, but he's also a church planner. And so uh, this is encouraging to a church plant like ours. Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in my prayer of mine. I want you to listen to the, his language. Listen to the words that he uses of his love for these people. Because every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel, the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you and will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. Some of you have probably seen that scripture on a coffee mug, on a Christian t-shirt, but that, man, what a powerful verse, that he who started a good work in you. Some of you, this is your first day, God's working in your life and he promises to bring it to completion one day. Some of you, you've been going to church since uh, you came out the womb, you were born on the altar. 
And God began a good work in you. And he's going to continue and he's going to complete that at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Other versions, if you go read it, says, man, sometimes I think I love you the way Jesus loves you. Man, that's a powerful love that Paul has for these people. And it is my prayer that, in your, in, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and, to, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Today's sermon, I titled it, Them Too, Them Too. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for uh, the, the work that you've began, not only in me years ago, uh, but for the people that are here in your church, God. God, I pray that you would remind them today that you've been with them, that you're always with them, and that you never leave them. Father, in their exhaustion, in their over, sense of overwhelming of life, that you're with them. You're with them. And God, I pray that the overflow of this book of joy and thankfulness would just overflow into our lives and into those around us, God. Father, I thank you for your grace. We love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have you ever heard someone talk about something that they just absolutely loved? Um, maybe you've met some people and they, the first thing they start talking to you, uh, there's an old joke. If there's any CrossFitters in here, how do you know if someone's a CrossFitter? They tell you that they're a CrossFitter, right? <laughs> how do you know that someone's a health freak? They tell you they're a health freak, right? Uh, but these people who, who just seem to begin to talk about something that they just absolutely love. Man, some of you, it's, it's hair products. Some of you, it's, uh, it's children's books. Some of you, it's cars, some of you, it's technology, work, whatever it is. Uh, th there's people who will talk about something, and you can just tell from the language that they use and that the passion that they speak with, you sit there and you're like, man, these people really care about this. And you're like sitting there like either one or two, things, that's, that's cool. Or you're like, man, this person needs to shut up. I don't care. I don't care, right? Uh, we, we've been that person before. You've been that person. You get super passionate about something, uh, and you begin just to tell the whole world about it, and, and vice versa. And, and here's the thing, though. None of that would make sense to you if you don't know why they love what they love. You don't know how that love began, right? Um, and, and here's what we see in the book of Philippians. We see the Apostle Paul open up his, this book, and he just begins to tell these people, I freaking, I said freaking, freaking love you. Like, I love you. Do you get how much I love you? Same thing, week in and week out, I come up here and I tell you, real church, man, I love you. Like, I love you. And, and for new people, that, ah, that's kind of weird. Like, he doesn't even know me. Uh, but if you would understand the whole story, you would understand why I love you, each and every single one of you. And, and so here's what, when we read the book of Philippians, we read this opening chapter, uh, opening of chapter one, we're like, man, why does Paul love these people so much? 
we have to rewind and go to a whole different book, and we go to the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, um, if you have your journal, it's not going to be in there because it's, this is only the book of Philippians. But if you have your Bible, you can flip over to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, uh, this is when the church ignited. We sang about it. Tori did a beautiful job singing about when the church was born, the, the, the flame was lit. Well, this church started in Acts 16, okay? And so to understand what we just read, we're going to rewind and go, uh, because the, the, the book of Philippians was written way later after the church was already established and going. But I want to go back to the beginning of how this church was established, and this will give us the context of why the Apostle Paul loves this group of people so much. So in Acts 16, it says this, So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Here we are, Philippi. They're in Philippi. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul had gone on a previous journey that he wanted to go to this place. He wanted to, but the Bible actually says that the Spirit of God would not allow them to. And I believe those people just weren't ready. How many of you know that God's timing is better than our timing? There might be some good that you want to do, but man, the, the Spirit just for some reason is holding you back. Man, I pray that you would trust His timing, and that's what they did. But finally, it came to a place where uh, God opened that up for them, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and the Roman colony. Let me give you some context about Philippi. Philippi was a major, uh, major city, okay? This is like in our day and age, like a Dallas, like a Los Angeles, like a New York, a, a massive place where tons and ton, tons of people were. And, and this, I think, is why Paul just had an urge to go there, not because of the great size, but because the amount of people there that needed to hear the good news of Jesus. Honestly, if I'm with you, and I've, and I've joked about this with you, that when I moved to Midland, I was like, I have made it to the city. Like, we made it. And, and, and here's the thing. I just know that there's just more people in Midland, Texas, that need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to hear that they are forgiven, that they are loved, and that they are cared for by a heavenly Father. And, and, and so I, I want you to begin to have this thought in the back of your mind that, man, I want to love Midland the way Paul loves Philippi. It says this, we remained in the city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we, were, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. They're on their way to prayer, and we sat down and spoke to a woman who had come together. One who had heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Here's the first person that we run into in this book. Lydia, uh, who, who has helped from the very beginning pioneer a church. Women, you, you have a purpose in the church. Amen, women? I don't know how some of you grew up, but some of you grew up saying that women, you need to come to church, you need to shut your mouth, you need to sit down, okay? That's not here at Real Church. We have women who are in leadership here, who love the Lord, who, who have a purpose here at Real Church. And so we see this woman now, a little bit about this woman, just to give you some biblical context. It says that she was a seller of purple goods. She was an entrepreneur, okay? Any entrepreneurs in the house? Got a couple? Okay, there we go. Uh, don't be ashamed to put your business out there like that. Be like, yeah, you can find me on Google, Facebook, Instagram, all right? Uh, you can find me. But that, 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 she was an entrepreneur, and, and she was a seller of purple goods, meaning she, she had a certain type of clientele. 
Because the only people who wore purple in biblical times were wealthy people. Now, here's the first lady that we see. She's educated. She's an entrepreneur. She's, she's a, a woman uh, who, who says that knows she's heard of Paul. So that means she, she knows kind of uh, the, the Christian buzz. She loves the Lord. And the apostle Paul and Timothy meet her. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, we see the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he didn't have anything. The Apostle Paul, uh, man, he was a missionary. So if you've met a missionary, missionaries aren't wealthy people. Missionaries don't have a lot of things. Uh, I'm praying that in 2024 that Real Church will send out our first mission team uh, out of not just because we're real big about focusing here in Midland because there's a mission field here in Midland. Uh, We support local ministries here. Um, We we give to the Permian uh, Basin Dream Center as a church. So everything that comes in, part of it goes to them because we believe in the mission that they're doing and serving here in our city to orphans. Um, but we also uh, care about what's happening in our state, the state of Texas, okay? Um, uh, you know me. I'm not a big just, uh, hey, I, I'm not a patriot in a sense. Like, I, I'm thankful that I, I live in the great state of Texas. I'm thankful that I live in USA, but I know I'm not a citizen of this place. My citizenship is in heaven. But, man, we care what's happening in Texas, We also care what's happening in our country, and we care about what's happening in our world. And so we give to someone local, we give to a state, we give to uh, someone in the country, um, and then soon I'm hoping to partner with uh, a missionary who we love and we know they come to us, and they say, hey, thank you for your support. Um, and, And this is who Paul is. And so then he meets this wealthy lady named Lydia. Okay, Lydia, uh, again, I've given you some background, and she says, hey, come and stay with my house. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul and Timothy saying, like, yo, this lady's house is crazy. This is a big house because she's a wealthy, educated woman. And so they go and they stay. So this is the first picture of the church that we see. The first member of the Philippian church was a wealthy woman, entrepreneur, Let's continue reading. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Uh, In the original language, it's like a spirit of python. It is a nasty spirit. It's not good. It's evil. And brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, uh, and we'll, let, let me stop right there. So we see this second lady introduced, the first one, entrepreneur, wealthy, selling uh, woman. And then the second one we meet is this slave girl. Being a slave, you don't want to be a slave, right? She, she was owned by these people. These people took advantage of her. Why did they take advantage of her? Because she made them a lot of money. And so we see this uh, spirit of divination that possessed this lady uh, by fortune telling, okay? Uh, If no one's ever told you this as a Christian, you should not be calling fortune tellers. You should not be sitting with fortune tellers. You should not be um, trying to talk to the dead uh, uh, with mediums, okay? All that stuff, man, the, the enemy will use that in your life to bring evil. It looks good, but it is evil, I remember one time I was in Bible college, and we went to the Santa Monica Pier in California as we were ministering around churches, and, and for some weird reason, uh, I decided, oh, there was a fortune teller on the, on the Santa Monica Pier, 
and I was a baby Christian, and I was like, I'm going to sit with them. I want to see if they're for real. Let's see if they're for real. And she pointed out things to the T. I was like, that was spooky, and it was creepy. And I, I ended up calling my pastor back home. Uh, I, was, I was spooked out, but then again, I was like, yo, that was crazy. That was pretty cool. And, and, I, and I told him what I had done, and he was like, you repent now. Like, get away. Don't ever do that again. Uh, and, and so, yeah, don't mess with that stuff, okay? Um, but we see this young girl who has that kind of spirit, fortune teller. If she was in the kingdom of God, she would be a, a prophetess, probably, if she would have used her gift for the kingdom. All of you have a gift, and you're either using it for the world or you're using it for the kingdom. What are you using it for? And she was using it for the world. And I love this. Uh, I think me and Paul could be friends. These men are servant of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She is praising the Apostle Paul and Timothy. She is like, man, these are men of God and and. and I love the Apostle Paul and his response. It says this, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, I can imagine him telling her to shut up, like quit talking. Having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So the, the people who were benefiting off of the evil became mad, right? When you become to live for Jesus, you become living, uh, glorifying God in all that you do, and you stop lying on taxes, you stop lying on, to benefit, you stop uh, for people, even for yourself, there's going to be some upset people. And I encourage you, man, uh, you're going to begin to have people come against you. And and that should be happening in your life, especially in today's day and age. Because everything that the gospel says, the world says opposite. The world says, care about yourself and love yourself first. The Bible says, deny yourself. The Bible says, hey, meet your needs first. And, And the Bible says, hey, consider others better than yourself. So what the world says is always completely opposite of what the Bible says. And and because of that, if you're living your life walking by the Spirit of God, man, you're going to have some opposition come against you. You're going to have some people who don't like you because you're going to mess with their money. And these people were like, whoa, you're playing with my money. Don't play with my money. Don't make me quote Friday for all my barely saved people in here. (laughs) Playing with my money is like playing with what? My emotions. Sorry, holy people. But this is what happened. These people are like, whoa, 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 you're playing with my money. Don't play with my money. And she's like, and the spirit, the evil spirit came out of her, and she begins to live for the Lord. And so the second person that we see become a member of the the Philippi church is a young demon-possessed girl. So we have a rich entrepreneur woman then we have an, an evil-spirited young girl become a part of the church. And, and because of that, uh, the Rome, they're living in the Roman Empire, and in this place, uh, these people begin to get upset. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they turned to race. They're like, hey, these people are not like us. They're not of us. And, and, and so they turn to race. I find it odd that our country is obsessed 
with gender and race. It is a weird. And, and here's what I love about real church. If you walk around this building, you're going to see white people. You're going to see black people. You're going to see uh, Hispanic people. Uh, I don't know if we have any Asians in here. Do we have any Asians in here? Uh, we got some Asians. Let's go. Finally. Yeah. You're going to see all kinds of people here at real church. And this is what we begin to see happen in the first uh, church that they're planting. And the people of the Roman Empire are not liking it. And they turn to race and they say, they're not like us. We don't want them doing what they're doing. And they were disturbing our city is what they say. The next verse, go ahead. and uh, They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. You're going to have some pressures if you haven't in our country that they're going to try to make you believe what the, the popular thing is, what the woke are trying to get you to believe. And, and I don't want to be up here uh, with, with a proud heart saying, uh, we only, but I say it out of love that, man, we, we believe that there's man and woman. We believe that there's boy and girl. We believe uh, that there's two genders. We believe that there's many races in our country. I, I, I sat with a man who, who's come to our church many times. And he says, uh, he was the first man that had ever confessed to me that God had delivered him from racism. Some of you in your heart deal with racism and nobody knows it. You have a disdain for a certain people group and you need to confess that because that is wicked and it's evil and it has no place in the kingdom of God or at real church because we welcome all people here at real church. And so my prayer that if you have any racist bone in your body is that you would repent from that because it's evil. The crazy thing is if we even look at the first lady, man, some of you have a disdain uh, for people of wealth. You look at them and be like, oh man, they probably got there because they lied or they cheated or they stole, right? We've all said it. And, and you have a disdain for those type of people. And, and there might be some of you who are... Uh, you're wealthy, you're considered wealthy in our culture, and you have a disdain for people uh, uh, that are not in the same economic class as you, and you think you're, you're better than them because you have more money. There is no place in the Bible that says wealthy people are loved by God more than people who have less than. So no matter your economic status, you're welcome here at Real Church. Somebody the other day, they were like, man, you're... you're <laughs> Your, your truck sticker is out. Well, one, my tent is a little dark. Leave me alone. But I was like, man, I, I wanted to give to a real church in our first fruits offering, and it was either that or go get a sticker. So I'm riding dirty a little bit right now. Forgive me. But listen, man, whatever economic class that you're in, lower class, middle class, upper class, you're welcome in this place. And you're not loved by the amount that's in your bank account. You're not loved by what color your skin is. You are loved because you are a child of God. Amen, church? It says this, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer, here's the third person that we're seeing introduced to the story, ordering the jailer to keep them safely Keep them safely. So the Roman Empire, they're getting mad that they're coming in, they're preaching the gospel. People are beginning to hear the gospel, uh, and it's beginning to mess up what they believe is true and right. And they said, hey, throw them into 
prison. But what does the magistrate say? Why does he want them to go to prison? To what? What does he order the jailer to do to keep them what? Safe. That, that's crazy when you read the Bible. When you were thrown, so in biblical times, there are certain levels in prison, not like, well, kind of like today, there's maximum, maximum security. Uh, there, there, there's, peop, there's prisons where you can have a Facebook and, and like FaceTime people. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know. I've never been. Uh, if, if you have, no judgment. Like, uh, we love you too. Uh, but there's just different levels. And same thing in the biblical times. And this time he was telling them, throw them into the inner prison. This was like the dungeon. This was like the darkest places of dark places. And it says, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, if you grew up in church or you saw pictures of children's Bible stories, you probably see Paul and Silas chained up by their feet and their hands, right? Okay. Well, this isn't the case. If you go do a study on how they did this, um, and, and luckily, again, my Bible software is going to make me sound smart. I'm not that smart, but it, it begins to tell you what this actually means, that they would contort their body in such a way, and they would strap them in a place that their body would begin to feel pain, that it would begin to cramp up, and the pain would become unbearable, and it's pitch black, and they can't move. So now picture this. The Apostle Paul, he, he's in a place like this, and somehow he, he's able, uh, by whatever happened, write this book to these people. He's writing from prison. He's writing from prison. And what did I tell you this book overflowed with? Joy and thanksgiving. And a man is sitting in prison. Some of you are living in a beautiful home, driving nice cars, have a beautiful family, and you don't have joy and thanksgiving. What does that tell you? Joy and thanksgiving will not come from those things. It can only come from the king of kings of Jesus. And so about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and, the, and that foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, the only time you've probably ever heard this story preached is like, man, your praise will break chains, and we're all going to— ah! But there's such significance if you're not careful when you read through this. If you know that a, a, a jailer, if a prisoner were to escape, they would look at you and say, all right, tell us your story. And then they would kill you because it, you were responsible for releasing a prisoner, for letting a prisoner get free. And so this jailer knew, I'm about to die. I might as well do it to myself. And so he pulls out the sword, and he's about to kill himself. And here's the cool thing. Again, the apostle Paul, this man was a very educated man. This man was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And so he knew that if he left, what they would do to that man. If he left, he knew that they would kill him. And what did he do? In his grace and his mercy that was first extended to him on the Damascus road from God, he then extends it to this jailer because he could have left him. He could have left him to die. He knew what they would do to him. But in his grace and his love for this man, the Bible says that he stayed. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
man, your life should be overflowing with so much love and so much grace. Somebody has to be asking you, man, how can I get that? How can I get that kind of love? I've bad-mouthed you, and you still are kind to me. I've said nasty things about you, and you're still kind to me. I've stabbed you in the back, and you're still kind to me. Somebody should be asking you, how can I get that? And that's what this man does to the Apostle Paul. What do I got to do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke in the word of the Lord and him and all that were in the house. And he took them to the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set, foot, set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Here we go, the church being built. The first lady entrepreneur, wealthy, educated, uh, has everything she's ever wanted. A, a spirit-possessed, evil spirit-possessed young girl who, who's probably just thankful that these evil owners are providing her with the little needs that she has. And then we see this jailer who, who all he wants to do is do his job well. He just wants to protect the, or, or, or keep the prisoners where they are. He just wants to do his job, go home, and love his family. And we see that these three completely different people are the first people God begins a work in. And if you remember in Philippians 1, what did he say? If God began a work, he has promised you to complete it. Man, some of you, God began a work when you were a child, and then you went off and you did things and you lived your own life, and guess what? Guess where you're sitting today? At real church. Why? Because God, yeah, that's good news. God is doing and completing the work in you. Because you couldn't sustain you. You're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you don't have enough resources, you're not nice enough, you don't have enough connections and friendships. But it was the grace of God that had put you in that chair right where you are. The grace of God. And this is how the church began to be built. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men, who were Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And you can go ahead and go to the verse so they can follow me. I didn't memorize that. It's on the screen. No, let them come to themselves. Take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid that they heard that they were the Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave. These people knew that they were people of God, that they were like, I am sorry. I'm sorry. Because if, let, let, let me be honest, if people know that you're the real deal, they, they know you really love the Lord, they tend to not mess with you. Because honestly, sometimes people who love the world have more reverence and more honor and respect than the people of God do in the church. Because they know that there's a holy God who's not just loving and gracious, but he's also just and so uh, they took them out and asked them to leave the city. They were like, hey, take everything you're preaching and get out of here. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So Philippians 1, how can the Apostle Paul speak with this language that, man, I just love you. I just love you. And I'm thankful for you. Every single day that I think of you, I pray for you. If you don't have that type of relationship, we're going to get there on why that's the case. Worship team, you can come up. 
And, and, and he, here's the thing, when I started to read this, and I'm like, man, the Apostle Paul just loved these people. He really cared about them. He prayed for them daily, all the time. There's this joy that he has about them. He's, he began thanking them because the church had sent uh, uh, Epaphroditus, is, was his name. He was, they, they sent the Apostle Paul uh, gifts. They loved him, and they were thanking him for the care that he had over their souls. And, and, and so I see this picture, and I'm like, man, God, if I'm honest, like every week I get up on stage and I tell these people, man, I love you. I love you. Like, I really love you. And, and I hope that doesn't go through one ear and out the other because what I'm saying, hey, man, it's true. I really do love you. Like, sometimes I have to repent that I care. I, like, I, I become obsessed with this place because I really do care about you. There's been times I have had to look at my wife and say, babe, I'm sorry that I've cared more about this place than I've cared about you. Babe, I'm sorry that I've cared more about these people than I've cared about our family. Because that's how much I love you. I pray for you. Man, I, I, I've sat across tables from you and I've heard your stories. I've done funerals for some of your family members. I've attended funerals for some of your family members. And I love you, and, and, and here's the thing, I'm not making this about me, let me get to my main point. But it didn't start here. It didn't start by us having a church. I got on stage and one day I just began telling you that I love you. But this started over two years ago. And, and, and I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna ask the people to trust me and I think he walked out. Did Lupe walk out? Will you go get him? He doesn't know I'm doing this. So he's gonna be like, what is going on? But as I began to pray and I was, man, like before I preach a text, Man, I've probably read this over a hundred times. Last night, I'm on my way home from San Angelo on a bus, and I'm just reading it over and over. And I'm asking the Spirit of God, man, God, give me that love, that same love for the people of real church. And he reminds me, man, like, uh, and I was talking to somebody this morning, and I said it before, I love this place. But I don't want to be more in love with this place than I am with Jesus. And I don't want you to love this place more than you love Jesus. Because I know people who love their church more than they love Jesus. And that's not the goal. The goal is not to love your church first. Your goal is to love Jesus that will give you the same love for the people. Because the people are the church. Right? And, and, and so as I was began praying, I was asking the Lord, God, uh, and it, it, was not, it wasn't hard because it only happened two years ago. I was sitting in my garage and my wife came in and I was ready to step away from ministry. I was ready to go work in the oil field. Uh, and I was like, babe, let's just go make a lot of money and go to church and we'll be all right. And she goes, no, if the Lord called you to do what you do, you need to do what you do. And, and, and <laughs> he's freaking out right now. Luba, you could stand right there, bro. It's cool. Uh, and I remember I texted Lupe. I said, hey, bro, let's, let, let's go have lunch. And we went to Whataburger on Midkiff. And I sat across from him, and he was the first person other than my wife. And I looked at him, and I said, man, I think we want to plant a church right here in Midland. And he looked, he looked me right in my eye, and he said, dude, whatever I can do to help, I'm in. I'm in. The first dude. That was before the original five families that helped us start this church. That dude right there, a friend of mine, said, I got your back. 
Why was I able to tell him? Because I had a love for Lupe as my friend and a partner. And same thing, I think he would say the same thing about me, at least I'd hope. Because I tell him he's better at golf than me all the time. But man, we just have this friendship. Is it perfect? No. Do we talk every day? No. But man, I know that if I call him, he's got my back, and if he calls me, I got his back. And then from there, we began this thing. And there was five families, there was five men. We, st- we had a Bible study at my, my house, and like 30 to 40 people showed up, and my wife and I were blown away, like, oh my gosh. And we were up front, we were like, hey, we wanna start a church. We wanna start a church here in Midland called Real Church, where real pe- we point real people to a real Jesus with a real love. And, and, and after that Bible study, I began praying and asking the Lord, God, I need four men, I need four men who love you, like they are in love with you. And it's shown by the way that they love their wife, and it's shown by the way that they love their children. Because if you go read the qualifications of people who lead churches, those are some of the qualifications. And there's many more. And and there was men who, they, they either reached out to me or I reached out to them based on what they felt the Lord was doing in their life. And one of the first men that reached out was Brett Stroman. Brett, will you stand up? And, and he, he messaged me on Facebook. We didn't even have each other's number. So he slid in my DMs. You gotta stay standing though, bro, sorry. And, and he began asking me questions and we were sitting at Murray's, at the time it was called Murray's. I don't think, was it still called Murray's? It's still called Murray's. Uh, we were sitting in Murray's in a booth, just me and him. And, and he goes, uh, man, like whatever you're doing, I want in, I want in. And then we had dinner with him and his wife, my wife, him and his wife, uh, we went to Cork and Pig, and they, boom, he, 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 was, he was the first tither. Well, no, my daughter was. He was the second tither of Real Church, and he just slapped an envelope, and he says, we're in. I said, bro, we don't even got a bank account. Like, chill. <laughs> but I'll take it. Okay, okay. No, no, no. And, and from the beginning, I remember when we were setting up at the school, every day he'd set up the worship team. He led the worship team. And then Ronnie Rose was there. I said, Ronnie, hey, let, 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 let's go talk. Let's go play a round of golf. We went and played a round of golf. And he says, I want in. I want in. I know they're out of town uh, in Dallas watching their family get uh, a, a niece of theirs getting baptized today. He says, I'm in. And then I go uh, to my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. If you can stand, Tony and Vicky, I'm talking about you. She's obsessed with her granddaughter who's so beautiful. And I sat across from roses with both of them. And I said, I'm ready to, we're ready to plant this church where we just make an impact in a city where we just love the heck out of people and we point them to a Jesus, but we do it with a real love. And both of them looked right across from me and my wife and they were kind of already bought in because they're family and they're like, hey, we're in, we're in. And from the beginning, they've been faithful. Every, I remember every Friday, Vicky setting up classrooms. I remember every Sunday, Tony was one of the last people to walk out of the school with me after we tore down. Because this, this thing that God began to do, he began to work and he, he said, I'll complete it. And, and we have more people who were like that and they're serving in the classroom today. And then I texted Anthony and Erica, if you guys can stand up. Anthony, come stand with your wife. And, and, and he sat in my living room on my couch and I said, dude, I freaking love you. I said, and I think from the beginning of our relationship, God mended something that we're supposed to, you ever have that friend where you know it's like a lifelong friendship, 
that was him. And I said, this is what we're doing. And I was expecting a quick, yeah, dude, I'm in. And he's like, let me go talk to my wife and we'll pray about it. I was like, what? Come on, bro. And he came back and he said, we're in, we're in. Baby, you can stand up because you were the first one. And, and yeah. love you. And then God just started doing something really cool. More people began to hear about real church. We're meeting in an elementary school, sharing a parking lot. We asked a big church, hey, can we have some of the parking lot? And and lo and behold, just little by little, we saw the grace of God begin to work. If you're in this church, because of somebody standing up, please stand up. If you were invited, if you were, yeah, there we go, come on. If it's because of one of these people standing, and little by little we get into, uh, I, I remember meeting Josh Cardenas, he, uh, this, this dude, he was like, he was going to sing on our worship team. And I was like, sweet, can you sing? And he's, <laughs> and man, we just, I remember just, hanging out with the guy and I remember him being genuine same thing that whole row uh, that's family she was on uh, Leslie was on our worship team because Brett decided hey hey come come check out come help us out what we're doing here at Real Church right Eric came because of Lupe and he's like man I go to this church you go to this church let's go check each other's churches out and every once in a while Eric will pop his head in him and his wife you can stand up I don't want to embarrass you I'm sorry but he's been a part of our men's breakfast. Man, he sits right there. He's engaged. I can tell he loves the Lord. Now, stand up if you're in here because uh, maybe you saw one of these social media posts of somebody in here. Anybody? Yeah. Social media. And little by little, Raise your hand if, or stand up if you were at the very first service of Real Church at the school. Kristen and Juan, y'all were there, right? Third, that counts. And they've been, now she's on staff. And she's in charge of what your children are learning in the back. Y'all are here because of us. Y'all stand up. Don't make me start calling y'all out. And little by little, you began, stand up if you knew who I was. Stand up if you knew who they were. Stand up if you knew somebody standing up. And little by little, stand up if you watched us on YouTube, on Facebook. Stand up if you're in the room. That looked a lot cooler in my head. But little by little, The church of real church in Midland, Texas was born two years ago because my wife came into the garage and believed the calling that God had put on my life because five families believe the calling, not in my life, but in their life to help plant a church here in Midland, Texas. And we're just getting started, church. And, and, And here's my, just like the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi thank you. You serve here, thank you. You give here, thank you. You love people here, 
thank you. You wear real church on your, uh, real church on your chest proudly, loving people, thank you. You invite people to real church, thank you. Because I believe in this place, not because so that we could build a church, but so that we could build God's kingdom so that the people of Midland, Texas would know the love of Jesus Christ right here. Man, I love you guys and I'm praying for you, but man, we're not done because guess what happened to that church? It blew up. It blew up. Not because the Apostle Paul was just this great man, not because Timothy was a great communicator, not, not, not because the, the worship team was amazing, and because a group of people just decided, man, I want to love people and I want to tell them the good news and what he's done in my life. Some of you need to go start telling some people about what he's doing in your life. Don't be scared because you're not perfect. Don't be scared because you don't know enough Bible. Don't be scared because you don't know church talk. What you do know is your story. And your story was, man, I used to be jacked up. And I'm still a little jacked up, but not as much jacked up. Because of this person, Jesus, that I've continued to fall in love with. And so, man, I, I love you, church, and I believe that this is just the beginning. I really do. I really believe that. And it's not going to take me. It's not going to take these guys. It's not going to take those guys. It's going to take you to go love your city. Go love your city, Father.